Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Pensive Politics with Mr. Watson. I am indeed your host, as always, Christian Watson. I'm coming to you guys on a very quaint, quiet, and peaceful Friday night. I know that I do these shows on, I typically do these shows by 2pm or 3pm Friday. I do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, But today I just had some things to do and so... I'm still happy to do these things, and I'm still happy you guys are willing to listen to them, even if it's a little bit late, a little bit off the schedule, and a little bit, um, you know, at night. Uh, so, it's been a very busy news day today. <clears throat> we'll be talking about a few topics. Number one, Joe Biden got into some trouble today. Um, he, like, like he always does, let's be honest, he always gets into some trouble, not because he's troublesome, particularly, he just has a lot of things that are very, very unwise. And as this race goes on, you can expect many many more of these moments to continue to happen. Um, But this particular comment was quite troubling to me. It actually riled me up a little bit. He said on The Breakfast Club, for those of you who do not know, The Breakfast Club is an urban radio show based out of New York, hosted by Charlamagne and the God, DJ Envy, and Angela Yee. All three of them are very uh, prominent internet and, and radio personalities in the black community. Uh, they are they are very much celebrities and well-known in certain spheres, but most of America did not know them and does not know them until this point, until Biden said something ridiculous like this. <clears throat> He said that if you have trouble discerning whether you should vote for me or Trump, you are not black. That's what the pre- that's what the former vice president said. This was an individual. We'll talk later. We'll talk about that later. But it's just it's just very concerning, very troubling. Then we talk about the Libertarian Party nomination. I will be giving my a very brief opinion. I'm not going to go completely full speed ahead until they pick a nominee, which will be very soon. When they pick a nominee. Then I will give you my full opinion of, of the entire thing. But I'm trying to be as fair as possible since Justin Amash has dropped out. I don't really have a favorite in this race. I don't really have someone who I want to win, so to speak. There's just I I have I am ambivalent about a about a bunch of these people, uh, and we'll also be talking about the two party duopoly, which I think dovetails quite nicely with the libertarian. Uh, party is nominating fi- fight right now because the two-party duopoly has both has been tested on two things it's imprisoned americans in a thought form that has convinced them that anything that challenges the du- du- duopoly is not viable and number three and number two it's made americans think that to be politically valid to have a valid voice you must be either one of those parties which is a false dichotomy which needs to be shattered by the light and fire of truth. And so I will, as an emissary of the truth, I will channel that fire and I will hopefully shatter that matrix of nonsense and ignorance and unenlightenment that is ensnaring the political conversation in this great country. But first, let's talk about Joe Biden. So Joe Biden had the gall to go on urban radio today and proselytize to black folks, proselytize to anyone who would be even somewhat uh, skeptical of his positions. The inviability of his arguments, that because that because they are predicated upon an undeniable reality for, indeed, African Americans, that reality is this. Donald Trump supposedly, according to Joe Biden, this is according to Joe Biden, according to Joe Biden, Donald Trump supposedly is worse for African Americans than he is Therefore, if you dare question him or if you need to inquire too deeply as to the contents of his plans, then you're not a black person 
because the theory would go, well, you don't know what it's like to be black under Trump. And according to Biden, under that kind of thought form, being black under Trump is to suffer, it is to be discriminated against, it is to be whatever, whatever grievance you might muster up from your thought, whatever might come down from the fantasy realm within your head, the realm of imagination, as the ancient text would say it, and be imprinted into reality, whatever you might conjure up, as Prince said, dig if you will, dream if you will, a picture, whatever picture you might conjure up. He wants he he is presenting that theory to you to the public to be accessed to be accessed and to be put out there. He didn't explicitly say all that, but I, I'm just I am I'm inferring and insinuating from what he said that this is the theory and this is the idea because this is the, definitely the idea many left leaning people in America, left leaning black people in America have about the president. So I will say this. I am not going to get in the, in the conversation, and I'm not going to be enmeshed in the false dichotomy of who is better for quote-unquote black America, because black America is not a monolith. Black America is not a singular entity. Black America is the America black people exist in individually. It, 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 it's not something that can be calculated and measured and prodded with, it, with, with, with a spoon or with, a, uh, or, or with a, a medical tool. It is something that exists independently. It is an ever-moving target. It is nebulous. It is misty. It is, all, it is mysterious. It is elusive. It's an elusive thing, this black America concept. So I don't, for one, claim that any president has the authority or even the ability, the logical ability, the, the, the institutional ability, the, the conceptual ability to have a massive effect on black America or to help black, quote unquote, black America, uh, unless the government is doing something that is harming all Americans in a way by infringing upon the rights of someone. If the government is involved in rights violations, then yes, a president could supposedly theoretically help black America. But if a president is not actively involved, or the government is not actively involved in rights violations, and theoretically the rights of certain Americans are being preserved, and they are not being attacked by the government or by anyone else, then you really can't help any kind of America, rural America, agrarian America, urban America, Asian America, whatever America you want to do, whatever hyphenated American compartment you want to you wanna dream up and you want to throw at people, you can't really help them through the, through the institutional levels of government. They help themselves. Black Americans have been helping themselves ever since the sit-ins in the 60s. Black Americans have been helping themselves ever since civil disobedience was used to fight against the atrocious, vicious, evil Jim Crow. Black Americans have been helping themselves by taking their dollars and investing in their communities and, and getting prosperity to their communities by the investment of those dollars. It's the concept of black dollars. I encourage you to look it up. Black Americans have been helping themselves in so many different ways that embody their individuality. Black Americans have been helping themselves since the 1900s in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when Black Wall Street, quite literally, was the shining pearl of the entire country, one of the richest areas in the entire country, a former slave colony turned in to a jewel, a, a ornate jewel of, 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 of excellence, of individual genius that rose from those former slaves. Black America has been helping itself for a very long time. It's been helping itself for a very, very, very long time. And a president or a politician does not have the license the requirement, the right, or any sort of moral authority to dare suppose that he, she, whoever they might be, have the ability to 
gradually affect the course of such an ethereal, nebulous, magnificent experiment that has been happening long before they even came into being. How dare he? How dare he say that? How dare he suggest that? How dare he even postulate that from his mouth? How dare he? How dare he? <laughs> and I don't much, and I don't mean to sound outraged just to be outraged. I'm outraged because it is a black eye. It is the biggest black eye to African Americans and to individualism around this country. Two things upon which America was built upon. To dare say that I am better for you. You can be better for everyone if you want the government to get out of the way and stop violating rights and stop suffocating human potential. But guess what? You don't want us to do want it. You don't want government to do that. You want government to stay in the frat in the equation. You want government to be an ever an ever ending paternalistic, omnipresent factor in the lives of many Americans. So theoretically, no, not theoretically, conceptually, incidentally, it turns out, Mr. Biden, that you're not absolutely good for any kind of America, whether it be black America, white, whatever, I don't know, whatever you want to hyphenate America with, you shouldn't do that in the first place. You're not good for them because of the concept you are embodying in your speech and the concept you wish to imprint upon the American mind through legislation, through policies, through executive orders, and through all manner of things, which will ultimately be ruinous for that individualist spirit that arose the slaves out of captivity. That individualist spirit that is captured by the first word in Maya Angelou's magnum opus, Still I Rise, I, I rise, me, I, I embody the I, and I take that I, and I take that I all the way up to the atmosphere, I rise, out of a past rooted in pain, I rise, you know, I rise, I am the hope. Of the slave. And now. Naturally. I just keep rising. That. Is the story. The true story. The powerful story. Of whatever you want to call black America. Of black individuals in this country. Out of a past rooted in pain. I rise. Out of a past rooted in pain. I rise. Out of a past. I would, I would put an addendum to that. And out of a past rooted in identity-based thinking, collectivism, government intrusion into lives, we all rise. That is the story of black America, Mr. Biden. And you absolutely have no right to co-opt that. How dare you? You have no right to co-opt that. None. Zilch. Zero. Now, Biden has since apologized for his gaffe, as he always does. <laughs> As he always does, as he always does, and as he always will. But he's only apologizing because he got backlash. I mean, this is not the first time Biden has said something that is quite troublesome. That should be quite, quite, quite troublesome for all Americans, given the principles that we stand upon and our freedoms are rested upon. He went to a black congregation a few years ago when he was vice president of the United States and said Republicans are going to put you all back in chains. So insinuating, again, presenting this false dichotomy that if you don't support us, if you don't support my camp, 
then something's wrong with you. You're going to be your humanity. He, the chains represented the sort of shackling of the humanity. Your humanity is going to be degraded and it's, it's, it's going to be debased back to where it was under slavery. So essentially, Biden was saying the same exact thing he said back then that he's saying right now. He's saying the same exact thing, guys. This is, this is stunning to me. This is why principles and tracking things and, and checking things and events throughout time is very important because you miss this kind of stuff. Biden is saying the same exact thing. Biden is practically saying, like he said back then, my camp, my people, my party, my principles are best for you. And if you don't support those things through me, notice he does not say if you don't support those things in general. Because if you support Biden's principles or the principles he postulates, you could find them in other people. Because principles are detached from people. But you, he says, no, if you don't support those things through me, as if he's some sort of deity or some sort of emissary of divinity, of divinity that the black American needs to know in his, in his mind, then you're not black. If you don't support these ideas through my administration that I'm in, then you're going to be a slave again. You're not human. It's not exactly what he said, but I'm taking a little bit of liberty with the interpretation. It's not the first time. This is absolutely not the first time this has happened. And a lot of other commentators have wisely pointed out that Biden's actually at the helm of a lot of the trouble that has besieged, quote-unquote, black America for the past few decades. He was at the helm of the drug laws. He was at the helm. He's, he's still at the helm of trying to maintain an atrocious a legal regime over marijuana. The guy wants decriminalization, but prudent folks understand that decriminalization does not mean legalization, and decriminalization simply means that businesses can go to uh, cannot cannot get necessarily get um get get fined or penalized for it. But they're still not going to be able to get licenses because unfortunately, the government, with how they've set up our system of commerce, you have to have licenses to be have success in certain sales and certain trades and certain things like that so on and so forth, so they can't get licenses, they don't have access to the legal framework that is necessary for marijuana producers and sellers to, to flourish. It should be completely legalized, and in fact, I think the Controlled Substances Act in general of 1970 should be repealed entirely, in, repeal the entire thing. I think we ought to go one step forward and legalize every single drug out there. Because every single drug that is taken by an individual on the behest of their own will is a nonviolent crime, and nonviolent crimes are not something that this, this country needs to focus on. It's not something that our justice needs to focus on, because guess what? It is not a threat to natural rights. Our justice system is impaneled to do one thing. It is impaneled to protect natural rights. It is not a threat, my friends, to natural rights if someone decides to go hit a crack pipe. It is not a threat, my friends, to natural rights if someone decides to go light, light up a, a blunt. I hate being so vulgar and so direct, but this is the only thing these people understand. It is not a violation of natural rights if someone decides to go snort cocaine. It is not a violation of natural rights if someone decides to go manufacture and take meth. It is not a violation of natural rights if someone decides to abuse their own body willingly and voluntarily through their own devices. That is not a violation of natural rights, and therefore, that is not a issue that the government or the police should be invested in. Period. Point blank. It's as simple. If you use the alchemy of rights that was that, that this that this that this country was transmuted into, transmuted from a colony, from from a for a sort of vassal of a king to a free independent republic through the alchemy of natural rights, then you will understand exactly what is going on, exactly why this argument is so important. 
The police are not here to be moral busybodies policing your life, controlling your life. The police are here, my friends. They are here to ensure that you can live your life to your, to your heart's content, so long as no one else's life is harmed. This is the basic principle of non-aggression talked about, talk, talk about, talk about by John Stuart Mill in On Liberty and several liberty philosophers, including, including John Locke, Robert Nozick, the entire nine yards, Herbert Spencer. This is a principle established. I Sanders Spoon, I can't forget him. A principle established in philosophical traditions that is indispensable to understanding the proper role of government. And many libertarians will just say, well, it's my body, I can do whatever I want. Look, that, that's, that, that captures the essence of my argument. But you have to go deeper, guys. Because these people out here don't understand that. They say, okay, you, they see, when you say it's your body, they see, okay, it's your body, but it's my country. It's your body, but it's my society. It's your, they are, they are, they are parsing their their paganistic obsession with drugs by and through the myth of the common good. Let me say that again. They are parsing their paganistic obsession with drugs by and through the myth of the common good. What do I mean by that? Every single action an individual makes according to people, according to some people, according to the drug prohibitionist, according to the people with Biden's mentality, his mentality right now, his mentality back in the 90s, According to them, society is affected by individual drug, 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 take, drug usage. And so instead of actually seeing society as it is, as an individualized set of interactions that are not necessarily measurable, as the great F.A. Hayek and the great Rosewood Lane pointed out decades upon decades ago, almost 70 years ago now, almost 80 years ago now, they want to see society as a sort of compact organism, a hive mind, a beehive that buzzes in unison and can be measured and maintained by the beekeepers, i.e. the government. They can be custodians of human action, custodians of human nature, custodians of human will. But guess what? That's not how reality works. That's not how the world works. And as much as you want to impose such artificial, false limitations on human society in the world, I promise you, it will not work because it rebels against that which is permanent, that which is objective, and that which exists. It rebels against it. So I don't care if folks think this common good nonsense is going to say is going to save us or is important to adhere to because it's false. It's a fiction. It's fantasy. It is not any more real than the Chronicles of Narnia are. And there, that's a great series, by the way. C.S. Lewis was a brilliant man. <laughs> it is not more real than the Chronicles of Narnia are. This is just that simple, guys. It's just that simple. It's simple. It's okay. The concept is not simple, but the way I'm saying it and the way it can be understood is quite simple. But the problem is this we've got caught up, as one of my friends said to me, in the sauce. We've got caught up in the sauce. Millennials and Gen Xers and Gen Zers have some very interesting terms, guys. Yeah, you have some very interesting terms. We get caught up in the sauce of other people's expectations that we forget the objective expectations and limitations adherent to, to natural rights philosophy, adherent to individualism, adherent to that which allowed America to become a paragon of individualism in the first place. We ignore it at our own peril. Joe Biden ignores it at his own peril. 
saying, "Oh, I know marijuana smokers, and, and that should I mean that that's why it should be decriminalized." Like, what? 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 I personally witnessed John Kerry. I was I was in Iowa. I forgot which town I was in. I was just a few months ago for my class. I was in Iowa. And I personally witnessed John Kerry, former Secretary of State on the Obama administration, former senator from Massachusetts, I believe. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Former presidential candidate back in 04 against Bush Jr. I saw John Kerry walk out onto the stage. I was, right, I was sitting right behind Biden. And he said, Joe Biden is going to win a Democratic nomination in that time. I didn't believe him at all. I thought Biden was a dead man walking, but I was wrong. I was wrong. I thought it was either going to be someone like Pete Buttigieg or Bernie Sanders. That's what I thought. I was wrong. We were all wrong. No one believed Biden was going to make it. But Kerry was right about that. He said John Kerry is going to win the nomination. And when he gets to the debates, Joe Biden is going to slice, dice, and, and, and destroy Donald Trump. Biden can't even slice and dice a, a, a statement or an argument effectively. If he is, he's using dull knives. <laughs> That's how ineffective he is. He can slice and dice. What the, what the heck? Slice and dice? What? No, okay, this is some crazy stuff. This is some an asinine stuff. This is, this is just stuff that really gets me going, guys. And I'm trying to be as professional as possible. And I'm trying to be as pensive as possible, but sometimes pensiveness requires fire. Let me say it again. Sometimes pensiveness requires fire. What is fire? Well, Prometheus could tell you that fire was the spark that lit life, that made life be able to flourish on this green earth. Fire is the dynamic passions by which we are able to carry out things. Fire is that which gives us both comfort and, 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 and teaches us about danger. Fire is a, that which allows every single person on this earth to live vibrantly. Fire. And I'm speaking with fire right now. Because we need the fire of truth to, support, to, to engulf this political conversation and transmute it into an intelligent discourse and get it away from the kind of crap we're seeing from both President Trump and Vice President Biden. Although I promise you, Donald Trump would not say anything as ridiculous as this lest he get hung, drawn, hung, and quartered by the, by the outrage mobs, by the mobs of political correctness, by the mobs of political righteousness, so to speak, as they would regard themselves. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to get involved in the banal argument. Oh well, is Donald is Donald Trump is is is, is he good for Black America? What does that mean? Stop it! Stop putting me in a category. Stop putting me in a box. Let me be my own individual self. Let Black Americans be their own individual self. Black Americans are getting tired of being put in a box. They are being tired of being mislabeled and labeled and wrapped up and being stereotyped. They're getting tired of this stuff. Let them be individuals, will you? Let them be individuals. Please, I am begging you so much. Let us be individuals. There is only America, and there is America that is located on the micro level. America is when I go into work, and I put on my, my apron, and I begin serving food. 
America is when I go to the store and I get and I take out my my debit card and I pay for some water or some candy and it goes into the pockets of the of the shareholders of the company and the managers of the company and the workers of the company and so on and so forth. That is America. America is not a grandiose organism that can be measured, prodded, and secured by some sociologist in a lab. That's not America. That is false. That is a false conception. That has a lot led to a lot of death. Led to a lot of pain, led to a lot of suffering, led to a lot of confusion within the American mind. And Joe Biden wants to propagate that's not that nonsense. It shouldn't happen. It should not happen at all. All right. I spent twenty three minutes going on about him. I'm gonna leave him alone. I'm leaving. I'm leaving him alone. You'll be hearing more from me about this topic later. And I'm President Obama. You know, my, I have my disagreements, but Barack Obama was a was a sign to many Black Americans. That Donald, Donald Trump, that that being black in America was no longer a barrier. Whether that perception is correct or was correct at that time or is correct now, independent of that idea, I'm not going to get involved in that debate. Independent of if that perception is correct, it gave a lot of people hope, a lot of people inspiration. It even gave black conservatives inspiration and hope. It's going to be honest with you. It even gave some of them some inspiration, inspiration and hope. And for Joe Biden to stand on that legacy, to invoke it so religiously, and act as he is the emissary of the Barack Obama kingdom, church, and then go on and say something like this, is nothing short of a disgrace to the foundation that he constantly invokes. Nothing short of a disgrace. So, that's all I'll say about Vice President Biden and... I'll let my words speak for themselves. I'm not going to tell you how to think. I'm just telling you what I think. I'll tell you my two cents, so to speak. <laughs> I won't be. I, I, I'll i tell you my two cents. How about that? I'll tell you my two cents. <sighs> Libertarian Party nomination. You have a few candidates. Joe Jurgensen, professor at Clemson University. Jacob Hornberger, attorney, think tank policy leader. Uh, Vermin Supreme professional troll, someone who should never be taken seriously in anyone's rational mind. Uh, John Mounds for uh, one of the uh, preeminent, I would say, uh, libertarian candidates in the country. He's gotten a lot of votes as a libertarian candidate for for, for governor in my home state here of Georgia. And I'm, I might be missing a few more. But those are the main ones I want to focus on for now. Oh, and Adam Kokesh too. Adam Kokesh is awesome. I love Adam Kokesh. If you guys want to look at my interview with Adam Kokesh, he is an awesome guy. I love him to death. Don't agree with everything he says, but Adam Kokesh is still a guy that I like a lot and that I appreciate and that I still look up to. He has been one of my foremost intellectual inspirations in my life. Adam Kokesh is just nothing short of awesome. Um, and there are other candidates that didn't really pull very high and didn't really get into the debates. But they had a debate the other day ago, and John Sasso moderated. And I saw people on Facebook and people in the media attacking certain libertarian candidates for doing certain things. And things. Here's what I'll say. I'm not going to make an endorsement. I endorsed Justin Amash back when he was running. Unfortunately, it does not appear as if Justin Amash is going to be running anymore. He said no. He said, I'm going to drop out. It's not good for me or my, my, my goals. So... Uh, he made a choice. He made an absolute choice, and that's his decision, and that's that's just Namash stuff. I will say this. Of the remaining field, if Hornberger is the nominee, which it seems likely he might be, I really, really, really think, and this is just my honest opinion, that the Libertarian Party is going to have to get over 
the purest hump. Hornberger speaks with fire, with passion, with conviction. I like that. I don't like that he that he does those three things. He embodies that trifecta of rhetoric to the exclusion of people who might not be to, to the degree passionate, fiery, and convicted as he is. That's my problem. Hornberger doesn't know when to stop. He doesn't know prudence. He doesn't know prudence. And if the Libertarian Party wants to make waves of selection, and their idea was to get 5% cents so they can get into the Libertarian, they can get to the presidential debate stage, which would be awesome. If the Libertarian Party genuinely wants to do that, then they're going to have to. This is just being very blank about it. It's being very. They're going to have to pick someone who can appeal to the masses while remaining convicted. Someone with Hornberger's convictions. But not his rhetorical exclusion, his exclusionary tendencies, would be phenomenal. That's the dichotomy the Libertarian Party must deal with. That's what I'll say about that. Uh, now, in the last few minutes of the show, I'll just talk about the two-party duopoly. The only problem that we have, the Libertarians are having a real problem with this, is not because they are inherently wrong or they are inherently um, just unskilled or whimsical or whatever. No, freedom is is literally what this country was founded upon. Freedom is quite popular. Freedom is popular in many – it just it manifests in different forms. Many different people explain freedom in different ways. There are different conceptions of freedom, positive freedom, negative freedom, so on and so forth. And so – when you say the party of freedom, well, the party of negative freedom. Negative freedom meaning we don't believe in interference. We are against interference. We don't think that you get freedom by being given a benefit or whatever. But they don't believe in interference. The problem the Libertarian Party is having is because of the the thought form of the duopoly, which has ensnared American society for a long time. I don't want to put a precise date on it, but you know there were plenty of there are all kind of parties and all kind of movements in the early days of America, but eventually it just uh, we it, it magnetized under the two Republicans and Democrats and so on and so forth. We are in a one hundred plus year duopoly, which is, seems very 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 hard to break. And the best thing people can do, and this is what I'll leave you with: think beyond what is present. And look to what is possible. I will say that again. Think beyond what is present and look to what is hmm, indeed. Th- do, when, you, when you do that, when you do, when, I, when you do what I just said, what happens, it happens is twofold. Number one, you begin to emanatize the eschaton. What does that mean, Christian? To emanatize the eschaton is to basically bring heaven on earth. William F. Buckley famously said at a uh, Young Americans for Freedom rally, don't emanatize the eschaton, because many socialists and many Marxists want to emanatize the eschaton of their utopia or whatever. But when you think beyond what you see, when you have a little bit of faith, you can root freedom. You can root intelligence. You can root dynamism 
all of which are the anathema to two-party duopoly, into the earth. And by doing that, you break the hold it has over the electorate. And you increase the possibilities that all of us have to have more divergent political voices, more convicted political voices involved in the national conversation and in part of the, inst- the makeup of our institutions. You guys have been a great audience. Thank you so much for listening to me talk very passionately at some times and very meekly other times about the vice president and other issues of concern to America and individuals. And until next time, guys, I love all of you. You are all. I need, I need to like pick like a nickname for my followers. I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to find that out. But you are all thinkers. You are all. You are people who are going to literally transform the current state, the status quo, into what it was always meant to be. So, guys, until our next show, until our next interview. Stay pensive, my people. Thank you so much for listening. Stay pensive.